Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the star seminar and now here are your hosts rabble rouser and danny fenton welcome faithful disciples of footballology to another edition of the star seminar your team taught seminar taught by two luminaries in cowboys footballology none other than Dr. Rabble Rouser and my podcast partner, as always, the great, the estimable Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? I'm I'm doing good, Rabs. Um, but I got to tell you, I had a little bit of an awkward moment last night. Uh, I I went to dinner with um, with some uh, church people that my wife goes to church with, some from friends, and mm-hmm. it was a couple's a dinner and. We were all sitting here at this long rectangular table, you know, with our significant others across from us and, you know, kind of like the, you know, the last supper, you know, long table, but except it was like, you know, the, my first supper with, with these people, I, I, uh, I knew a couple of them, but most of these people didn't know who they were, but this couple next to me, this lady starts introducing her husband and he's this like doctor, brilliant guy, whatever, but starts introducing and for the sake of this story, let's call him Joe Schmo. Um, I don't want to say his name. Plus, I don't remember what it was. Uh, so anyway, she's so Dr. Schmo. Dr. Schmo. Yeah, she's, she's like, this is my <laughs> husband, um, Joe Schmo, uh, MD, you know, PhD, DD, just like a bunch of initials after the name. And instinctively, my reaction was then to say, man, it's certainly not spelled like it sounds. And, and and then the whole the whole room got silent. I felt all the eyes look upon me. But I, mean, I guess part of it was they were a little startled that I even spoke because to that point I haven't even said anything like past three words like other than hello and stuff. So, but also too because and I could tell what they were thinking. Like, is this guy an idiot? Is, you know, is he is he really this? But anyway, then my eyes kind of panned across straight across to my lovely wife who also didn't seem to amused either you know well maybe it's like half of her half her the bottom half of her face had a smirk i mean she knew that i was making a joke there and but the other upper half uh the half felt the daggers like and she's like why, why would you do that you know you could have not said that but you chose to say and you, why why did you say that and i chose violence I, dear. I chose, but you know what so <laughs> last night as i was 
you know, laying in bed contemplating my decision, I was like thinking about it. Yeah, that, that was a good joke. It's it's not my joke. It's actually, I don't know if you know this, remember, but it's actually from Cheers when um, mm-hmm. Frazier comes in and he's introducing Lilith and he's like introducing her to the bar. He's like, this is my wife or girlfriend, uh, Lilith, you know. M- and that's M- it's Woody. Woody's response. Isn't it's it? Woody's response. Yeah. Yep. It's Woody's response. He said, and it's hilarious, you know, of course. In that scenario, um, you know, Woody is an idiot, you know, but uh, that, you know, that's what makes it funny and stuff. But I don't know. So I don't regret my decision, but I was laying in bed. I started thinking, you know, is there, is there a better supporting character than Woody Boyd in all the TV shows? And I was like, I started trying to think of, I tried to think of other people, you know, and I have a couple, but first I, you know, I know that you are, um, like myself, you like to dabble in the fine arts of television, and uh, so I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to ask your opinion. Uh, like, who do you think is some of the better supporting characters on, on television shows? As a connoisseur of the television viewing arts, <laughs> I will say, well, first of all, I think the one you're starting this with sets the bar pretty high because Woody's an all timer. Mm-hmm. I think the show was really interesting when Coach was there, but when Coach moved out and Woody came in, I think it just it gave it more depth there was there were more types of personalities and points of view and perspectives and i and i I thought it was um they did a lot of fun things with that character um i think the interesting thing that you that you've done here is you pointed out that it's a comedy and an ensemble comedy at that because i think that if you're going to talk about who are the best supporting characters in, in in you know tv history or whatever they almost all if not all have to come from comedies that are ensemble comedies because typically what that what you have there is someone who's like the straight character you have a couple straight characters like in this one you have ted and um the the diane lane character right uh i mean they're goofy but they're they're still like the the point of view characters and then you have a bunch of goofballs around them and and so like it's almost always one of those goofballs who who becomes the most sort of memorable character gets all the great lines etc so i'll 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 say that there's several people that come to mind, but I think they all fit that description. So the first one uh, is uh, m- actually, I don't know the name of the character. Is it Marsha? But there was a character who was like the receptionist who was sort of like gum snapping, sa- saucy receptionist from the old Bob Newhart show who always had a great quip. There was, uh, of course, Radar, uh, not Radar, uh, uh, Corporal Klinger from MASH. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, I think another one of those goofy characters were Jamie Farr. Every time he came on with like big old like size 13 pumps stole the scene um i think that there's probably a couple others but listen the one who fits that bill who's the poster child for that ensemble character who's just out there is of course cosmo kramer mm, yes. it's got to be kramer dude i mean kramer every time he he, he came in he, he stole the scene every i mean every time they, he opened that door and like slid in uh, you could just you could hear the audience just perk up and they they start to rub their hands because they knew something awesome was going to happen. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the outtakes from from uh, seasons of, of Seinfeld, but Jerry, who was not actually a trained actor and was the weakest part of that, uh, again and again and again loses his composure because um, uh, because Kramer d- d- does something does something amazing. You know, and they have to re- they have to reshoot it because he can't he can't keep a straight face. So I I would say Cosmo Kramer takes the cake. Yeah, excellent choice for sure. I uh, it's funny that you, you pick Seinfeld because my top choice actually. But be- before I get to my top choice, I wanted to throw an honorable mention, and it's actually so I, I just want to give this character props. It's actually going to be Mallory's boyfriend, 
uh, Nick from Family Ties, and and honestly, he's not a hilarious character. He, I mean, he has some funny lines, but what he brings to the show is he just sets up lobs for the other mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. and in particular, you know, Michael J. Fox, because I tell you so many times to watch the exchange between uh, Nick and Alex B. Keaton was just flat out hilarious. To so, uh, you know, I'm sure you remember like the 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 you know, meathead boy, your boyfriend, yeah, not, yeah. not yeah, much yeah. on, on the book learning type of guy, but you know, and then or parachute pants kind of had a mullet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, he just gets an honorable mention just because I, I thought I found that very amusing to listen to the, mm-hmm. the exchange there, but I, that's a good one. I think another, another character that who, who uh, qualifies, and this is actually, it's actually an actor that's, uh, he's, he, there's two characters. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going with Jerry Steeler, and he, not only is his Frank Costanza from Stein uh, from Seinfeld, but I thought he was hilarious as Arthur Spooner in King of Queens. I don't know if you watch that show, but I just he I, yeah both of those characters he was just hilarious in. And I think I, he's a talented guy, and of course you know that the, the dad of Ben Stiller. Um, but yeah, th- those those characters to me kind of jumped out. But I do think that. It's tough. If I were to do a one and two, I don't know that anybody surpasses Woody and Kramer because those guys were those just good, good choices. Those are just good uh, choices. Mm-hmm. But so, as speaking of supporting characters, you know, last week we talked about some the Cowboys' off-season plan on the offense. But you know what? You can't be a good team without a good defense. So, uh, Rabs, what do we got going on for today? And I think I think it's a nice transition because. Uh, the defense really is an ensemble cast. Got a couple of lead guys, but there's a bunch of players who contribute to the to the whole that are really important. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna um, uh, give me space to uh, help you edit your conference paper mm-hmm. on the defense. Mm-hmm. Right? I'll, I'll I'll give you some uh, give you some of my thoughts. You can take them or not uh, before you present this to the great wide world um, as, as a way to kind of just complete our analysis of. Uh, the 2022 Cowboys and where they sit as we approach the beginning of the league year, because before we know it, my friend, all our talk is going to be about free agency and then the draft the off season. It does move apace. Uh, but before we do, I, I have a, I have a question for you. You know, me ever, the, ever the nostalgist. Um, I always like to, I always like to look back. Um, so I would love to hear from you today. If you could go to any Cowboys home or away, any Cowboys non-playoff game in their history and sit there and watch the game. Let's imagine you had good seats or whatever. What game would, what game would you want to, uh, to attend? You know, it's funny. I think that you strategically asked this question. And uh, I mean, if you were to ask me which, um, which non-playoff game would I like to watch? Um, I would have actually picked, a couple of road games, uh, one of which is this, the Monday night with the, the Buffalo one, which was a, a, a thriller. Mm. Um, but and, and another one was a game. Is actually, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you attended, and it was the 2016 Pittsburgh game. I think, and uh, those were fantastic games. And those would be my choices if you would, if the question was which one would you want to watch. But you specifically stated attend. So that changes things a bit in the sense of I think I would want to be around my fellow cowboy fans in the okay the, good the good environment of a, a home game. So considering that as part of it, 
a couple games that jump out at me, and it's actually going to be against the same opponent, and they went, and they both went in overtime. I, I'm, I'm torn between them, but I am going to take the 2016 and 2018 games against the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, the 18 game was the Amari game, the the walk off Amari. You know, and he mm-hmm. tore it up. And I think that was, I think that season, you know, that was like five in a row. We had basically, we were on the cusp of just like things falling out. And then the Mari trade happened. And then we went on and won five in a row. And the Mari, the walk off against the, the Eagles, to me, I think that would have just been tremendous to watch. And then back it up a couple years again in overtime, 2016, mm. against the Eagles Great as game. well. Uh, that one was a little different in the sense, um, I mean, the Cowboys that year, after losing the opener, they went. They won eleven straight. I don't know where the Eagles game were in the middle of that. I think it's like somewhere in the middle, you know. And the Steelers game was similar somewhere in that. But that was an exciting game too. A back and forth. I think Eagles had ten point lead in the second half. And then remember the Chris Jones fake punt. He ran down the sideline, kind of stole a possession there, and then the Cowboys end up. It was similar almost to the Giants Monday night game that happened with Romo where, you know, um, Dak hits Witten in the end zone for the walk-off touchdown in, in overtime to win that game. But I just, so I think those just would have been exhilarating because you're at home, it went in overtime, It's a, you're beating the Eagles. It just checks off so many boxes for me. Uh, so I don't know between them, I don't know which one, but I think I would probably choose one of those games. But uh, those are great. what about you? Where, what, what would you choose? Well, my, I have two. My first one, I mean, I, I have a lot of them, but I, I've been lucky enough to see several really great games. You mentioned the Pittsburgh game. I was lucky enough to be at the opening game in in, uh, in uh, 1999 when they went into Washington and came back from 21 down and scored at the, uh, at the very end on the Rocket Ishmael oh, yes. long pass. That was a great game. Um, uh, you know, I was I was at I was in the Oakland Coliseum in, in 1992 for that really big important game against the Raiders. Uh, it wasn't a particularly close game or a great game, but it was a, it was just big for the Cowboys coming out. But the game that I would – the first one I would want to see was actually the week after that game against the Raiders, which was when they returned home to play the Eagles. And so, uh, like you, I'd love to, I'd love to uh, be in, in this case, Texas Stadium uh, against the hated Eagles. But I think the other thing about both of my games is they're against teams that we really felt were – like like signpost landmark games. These are these are teams that were either the top of the league or or, or they uh, were teams the Cowboys just hadn't been able to solve. So um, the Cowboys were obviously getting better. Uh, they beat the Eagles in Philadelphia at the end of the year uh, in 1991, but that the Eagles team wasn't great, and they, they you know the Cowboys had played a great game, but you know they they won in many respects on a on a you know Kelvin Martin punt return, um, played great defense, and. Uh, they hadn't, and then, and then, you know, the following, uh, the following year, in like week four, they went on a Monday night game to Philadelphia and got drilled like thirty-one-seven. So I think there was still a lot of doubt about whether this team could beat the Eagles, and um, and they went in, and nobody had run for hundred yards in the Eagles in like fifty games, and Emmett ran for like one hundred and fifty. He was a he was a a, a workhorse. And uh, defense played incredible. They pulled Randall Cunningham and put in Jim McMahon. He got he got a little, gave the Eagles a little bit of a spark, but then uh, you know the Cowboys had a great goal line stand, and then they had a, a really great, uh, really great drive that culminated in a little dump off pass to, to Moose Johnson, who threw it, threw himself into the end zone for the big lead. 
uh, it was just a great game. And it was one of those things that was just so cathartic because they beat the Eagles who had been pounding on them, just mercilessly out them for years. And this game, they, they, they were the more physical team. They showed that they were the more physical team. And, and, it, and, it, and it continued for the rest of the 90s. Like the Eagles never caught up in, in that regard. And that was awesome. The other one, it's probably my top one, is not a home game. And I almost went to this game, and I regret to this day not making it happen. And that would have been the Seahawks game in 2014, where they went into Seattle. Seattle was the reigning NFL champion. Their defense was incredible, and the Cowboys just beat the snot out of them. The only reason the game was close at all is because the Cowboys had a couple of goofy plays, a block punt, and you know a, a, a couple of things early that gave the Seahawks an early lead. But then they just clawed back. They were calm. They were poised. And by the end of the game, it was very clear who the better team was. And, and, you know, the last drive when they really extended their lead, DeMarco Murray started getting some big holes and they just, they just beat up and wore down that, that defense, which frankly was the best defense I'd seen in, in the league in, in many, many years since maybe even since the nineties the Cowboys, when they were really at their, at their peak. And uh, just in terms of uh, speed, like, I think, you know, there've been other teams that had really great defenses, but the team speed was just astonishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just such a great game. So it, it would have been it would have been awesome. It was my, one of my favorite games ever to watch. I've rewatched it a bunch of times, and I think um, I would have I would have just really really enjoyed being there in what, person. What's your favorite play from that game? A really good question. I, think, oh, I mean, I think it has. I think it has to be the the Romo duck yeah. duck CJ Wright or KJ Wright, mm-hmm. and uh, and then like hits Terrence. Williams on the sideline on a pass I think might have been intended for for Whitney. It sure seemed like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that play was incredible, and it was like third. It was like third and very, very long. It looked like you know they were just going to shut down the Cowboys, and the Cowboys' success was going to be short lived. And then that that really turned everything around. I think they, I think that that's the that's the play where they or the drive rather where they went down and mm-hmm. scored later on on a Demarco Murray touchdown. But like that was great because if you remember, Doug Free got injured and, and left the game, and Jer- Jeremy Parnell came in, and everybody's like, "Oh no, Parnell's getting in," and and he just continued he picked up right where doug free left off yeah and they just mowed the seahawks and awesome speaking of getting injured and picking up one of my favorite plays obviously the my favorite play of the game is the same play you said but another one i enjoyed is the romac pick on russell wilson that to you know 100%. finish things up and of course i, I don't know why i just love rolando mcclain back then it's like what a what a great pickup he! I thought he played really well. We know that that season, you know, of course, so you know, physical in, in that game. And Sean Lee, you know, got got hurt, you know, at the, in training mm-hmm. camp, and and uh, we didn't have him. But uh, so yeah, that, those two those two plays that that uh, stand out to me. Like great choices. I tell you what, I would love to, to. You know, that that's not too far away from me. I you know, I would have loved to have gone to that game. I I have regret too about. I think it was 2012. I can't remember exactly the Jesse Holly game. You know the mm. the Romo game. Um, 2011. Two, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, I was there. Oh, that would be a great game to attend. I, I was in, um, you know, Santa, Santa Clara, and um, right there, and I could have, I could have went there, and, uh, and, but I was contemplated it, and I didn't. Well, you know how I feel about live games, so I did. Yeah, that's I part do. of it, and, and also too, it's like, do I really want to go and watch that game and just be surrounded by a bunch of Niner fans? But uh, to be honest, and then in hindsight, when I'm watching on TV, it's the whole place is just blue everywhere, and you couldn't tell by who did something good by the the, the way the the crowd. I mean, when Holly caught that pass, the fans just erupted in the stadium. To but uh, so I I, I I regret not going to that one because that would have been a pretty fun experience. Would have well. been would have been a nail biter, dude. Until until and the, and the the release, the cathartic release when 
when you saw Romo throw the ball and you realize how open Holly was and then he caught it. Yeah. Incredible. That's yeah. Great games. Good choices. Um, but let's, uh, let's move on to today's speaking of choices. We got some, we got the Cowboys at front office has some choices. They, don't they? they do. Yes. And I, you know, last week, you know, we, we covered the offense. Um, and just a little re- reminder, uh, if you, um, over, if you've been following along over at blogging the boys last week, I, Put out an article every day, every new position that covered the offense. This past week, I have been covering the defense, and today we cap things off with the last position, which is the safety position. But Rabs and I, we're going to go through. I want him to look this over for me, and uh, I want him to tell, let me know if there's some things on here that he, you know, doesn't agree with. So um, I'm going to just throw these out here, position by position, and. I want you to tell me what you think of, you know, if you have any thoughts, you know, where I've made some mistakes and uh, what you would like to see me do differently. So starting with the defense, I, um, can you see my screen there, Rabs? Just, okay. Um, So the first thing I have identified is I want to let Dante Fowler walk in free agency. And I only say that because I think his asking price is going to be you know, maybe north of five million, you know, I, I, maybe seven million or something. I fig, I figure, for what the Cowboys are going to ask this veteran edge rusher to do, that they could probably do like what they always do. To be quite honest, and they're actually very good at it, is find a mm-hmm. low cost veteran to come in there. You know, someone who, you know, maybe. Former first round pick is what they like to go. You know, we've we've seen the Alden Smiths. We've seen a, a lot of different players come in and fill this mm-hmm. role for for the Cowboys. So I figured, you know, let's do it again, and uh, you know, not not spend any money on Fowler. Um, and so that's my first thing. And my second thing is let Fowler walk and then sign another low cost veteran. Um, I also have, and this is this is one that I put in toward the end. Is I also said be open to drafting another high upside prospect. I know that if you look at our um, defensive end position group, it's, you got a lot of good players, you know, uh, we got Sam Williams ha- had a great rookie season. You know, Chauncey Goldston's came in toward this stretch last year. Of course we have Micah and he's fantastic. And then Dorrance is under contract. So it's not a position of need by any means. Do I feel, however, it's one of those positions like, you know, you've said this many times, you know, you can never have, enough pass rushers it's one of the, the premium positions so you know there's a lot of intriguing prospects here if the cowboys happen to find themselves taking one in the first couple of days i'm not going to have an issue with it because like it's just a valuable position so be open to that don't go searching for it but be open to it and then finally uh, expand the role of of sam williams and chauncey golston so of those choices, uh, of my, that that's my my defensive end plan. What what are your thoughts on there? Is there some things you you wouldn't necessarily agree with, or? No, actually, I think this is I think this is a wise plan. I guess I would just say that uh, for number two, sign a, a low cost veteran free agent. I'm okay if that guy's Dante Fowler if he's willing to to to, to you know play for the money, like because there's 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 you know he, he he's the same as about 15 other guys, but they need, they need one of those guys. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a, a game changer, but he's the kind of guy who uh, will give you a lot of solid reps. He's smart. Uh, you know, he's, he, he's savvy. And so you, you just need one of those guys, I think to round out the round out the, um, the rotation. 
I would say that I'm open for number three. Uh, I'm open to drafting a defensive end in round one. Ooh, yeah, that's that's. So I mean, I I think like you said, you can never have too many good ones, and there are two positions on defense that I want two incredible players. I don't want just one good corner, and I don't want just one good defensive end, right? And so. Uh, since since they like to rotate the defensive ends, what that means is I think they need three or four really good defensive ends, and some of those guys can they can kick inside to 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 uh, tackle on certain certain downs and distances or whatever, but I think that uh, I, I think that they they still probably could use one more, and I do think that I think they've got to find a way to try to reduce the wear and tear on Micah because. It's, I think it was just too much. I, I know I know he had a lot of pressures and things like that late in the year. And so he was, I mean, he was a warrior, but he just wasn't as explosive. And he talked about it a lot. He was worn down. And if, I mean, we're talking about a team that the, the only next logical step is to go to the NFC Championship game. You got to have your best player at his best, capable of playing his best. And he was, he was worn down. So I think getting another guy so that you don't have to play him at defensive end unless there's a mismatch. You can play him all over the formation. Make him make him your Troy Polamalu. I've said that many times, and I think that that I think that's terrifying. You know, he's he's a linebacker. He can chase a guy down the sideline. He can blitz from the middle when you've already got like Sam Williams and a first round draft pick out there, and you've got Chauncey Golston and uh, and uh, you know Demarcus Lawrence as your tackles and a sort of NASCAR package. I mean, that's terrifying. That would be awesome. And I, so I think that they need to do whatever they can to make that happen. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Rabs, that you mentioned that, uh, you know, the idea of doing that on day one. And, I, you know, we'll talk about this more in, in, in greater detail as we get closer to the draft. But one thing I do find interesting is I feel like this is going to be one of those few drafts where I look at day one. And I don't like, you know, we got to come away, come out of this day with either one of these, or one of these or one of these. And I just don't feel like that. This I feel like they could totally go edge rusher first if they if if there's a guy there that, that they love, uh, absolutely. You know, Tank's only under contract for a couple more years. You know, you and um, yeah. so yeah. absolutely. No, I think that's it's interesting you say that. I I thought I was being open to to do, go as early as the first two days, and you're you're throwing in the you know round one. Well, in the I, next- I I think you're absolutely right though. I don't want, I don't want to get too far into draft talk, but I. You know, if we want to think about this draft, I think we really have to look back on the 2015 draft, which was the Byron Jones draft, in which at that point, you just don't know what's going to happen in front of you, right? So you have to be open to a number of positions. And and I think the hope is you get a, a high upside athlete at a position uh, that makes that's a difference making position. And so that would that would fulfill that bill. Yeah. No, and also too, I would also welcome back um, Dante Fowler, but I, I just because I think he's going to cost a lot. And, and also too, if you end up paying Fowler too much, then you're going to be obligated to obligated to pay him. And I don't want to get somebody in there that's going to be like a progress stopper. I want Williams in there getting his reps and stuff. And I mean, that's kind of like Terrell Basham got to the point to where it's like we he he's a good player, a good solid depth player, but he just you just don't want to give him reps anymore because he's he's taken away from younger guys. So so moving from the outside to the inside of the defensive line. Here is my plan for defensive tackle, and actually, it's there's nothing really sexy about this at all. It's it's I almost felt like the Joneses in the sense of like they don't really do anything sexy at it. So, and I find myself kind of not doing it either. So, I really like Jonathan Hankins. I well, he's he's still he's not. I think he's just thirty years old. I think he's got a little bit left in the tank. I don't know what his asking price would be, but I feel like. He gave us a really safe floor. 
in the run stopping department as as our nose. So to me, he would be kind of up there on. I would I would like to see him return. Um, another thing I think they should do is take another late flyer on another nose. You know, similar to like they did with uh, Quentin Bahana a couple years ago, and then of course John Ridgeway last year. Which unfortunately, because we just had to hang on to Nashawn Wright, you know, or other guys. You know, we just we didn't have room for him, and then of course he got poached by Washington. But the Cowboys have shown that they're they're doing pretty good at uh, finding some talent in there. And so mm-hmm. I would take another flyer. And then uh, you know we still have Quentin there and keep developing him. I, I thought he looked pretty good early last year, but then I didn't see much more of him. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how he progresses. Uh, and then finally, as kind of like a you know a last resort, and the Cowboys felt this way too, because that's exactly what they did last year. You know, I would try to bring back Carlos Watkins on a, on a low cost one year deal. He, I was, he was a surprise. I don't think he made the the 53 and I, I was kind of surprised cause I like, I always thought he was kind of undervalued and you know, he's, he's be fine for your, your low depth guy, but the Cowboys just had so many, so, so they were so deep last year and uh, to where he didn't make, it. of course they ended up bringing him back uh, and, and he actually, came in and, and provi- provided some good snaps. So not not a whole lot there, Rabs. Do, is there anything that you think you'd like to me to do differently with this? No, this seems like a really sensible plan. It feels like they've got to replace Gallimore, right? I, I feel like, I mean, I, I said this time last year, I thought he was going to have a breakout season. Mm-hmm. I really thought yeah. so. I thought, he, I thought he looked good. I, I thought we were hearing good things from him. He seemed like he was really dominant um, during camp. And I just thought, oh, this is—they're going to finally realize uh, what they saw in him, and then he just did nothing. Yeah. Um, so they need somebody like that. I guess what I wonder is—is is it possible for them to invest in a stout guy who also gives them a little pass rush? And w- and would they would they value that enough, or do they just sort of feel like if we get run stoppers, you know, or, or maybe a, a Digizu was that guy, and they don't need another one? But I just, I would like them to be a little bit more dynamic at defensive tackle. I do think Carlos Watkins is a great rotation piece, but the guys who've been most successful, the the Hankinses, they're pretty much two gapper run stuffer guys. Gallimore's I think done. Obviously, they got rid of Tristan Hill. So they the the investment in the second day of of earlier you know earlier in this decade is not did not bear fruit. But I don't know if that means they need to stop it. I'm not. I'm not saying they they should draft a defensive end in round one, defensive tackle in round two. I'm just wondering if they would dra- draft a sort of dynamic, maybe undersized dynamic guy like a, a Diggy Zua to get another to get another um, body in there because I think I think the defense could certainly benefit from it. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I mean, I, obviously, I love Diggy, and um, I I'm equally disappointed with with Gallimore, and I'm I'm surprised there. Uh, so we definitely do outside of uh, Odigi, they do need another three tech as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, and I just, I don't want them to, to slack at, at the nose. I mean, I, I've come to understand that it's not as valuable as, as I once, you know, thought it was, we can get, there's a lot of guys that could, are serviceable, but at the same time, I don't want us to get too, you know, you know, too, too lackadaisical with it because then mm-hmm. you, if you got, 
you know, if you get to, if you got your, I don't even know who the air guitar guy is offhand, but if you get, you know, you, some of these guys, you know, where you're getting your Justin Hamiltons and your, you know, people that will play log time and they're, and, and they're just, they're not making plays for you. They're, they're not necessarily hurting you, but they're, they're not making plays. And then that's, that's going to be something that hurts them later. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know if they're going to invest. If, could we see a nose tackle in the second round as a pick? Uh, if they find the right guy, maybe. You know, they haven't taken anybody at the nose position. I think you've got to go back. Oh, I can't even remember. I think it's over 20 years to find the last guy over 300 and like, you know, in the 315 or something. And I don't even remember who, who it was. They mm-hmm. Earlier than the, the fifth round, they have never yeah. taken a nose then. And it's just crazy. Um, so, you know, I guess shouldn't expect that to change this year. No, I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, I, I, I think, I think they're going to just get a couple of free agents and, and just sort of big run plugging dudes and, and address other needs elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, one position that's a little bit more debatable um, is the linebacker position. Uh, mm-hmm. Starting off with what to do with uh, Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, I, usually these, these answers are, Depending on what does it cost, and that's still the case here with with LVE. I, I but I think I want him back. I, I I think I want him back. I don't know what his price would be if it's not too much. I think he had a really he's played a couple good seasons now, and he's stayed healthy and he showed his value to the team. And I thought I would love I'd love to keep that if, if we could somehow afford that if it's not too expensive. So I I do have re-signing Leighton Vanderesh on my. Um, to-do list. I also think drafting a linebacker is important. Uh, I don't necessarily know when. It's, um, we know the Cowboys have done really well with picking linebackers later, whether if it's an Anthony Hitchens, you know, fourth round pick or or, or something. Or uh, mm-hmm. So I just draft a linebacker, get a, get a young guy in there that we can um, develop because we, you know, we, uh, we, we do need to keep, keep young there because we don't have a lot of we don't got a lot of players on the roster to, under contract uh, uh at linebacker uh one player we do have is damone clark and i so i've i think it's a for, uh, foregone conclusion that we're going to expand the role of damone clark and he came uh showed up on the field a lot sooner than expected uh last year and i thought he played really well look forward to seeing what he could do in year two and then Speaking of year two is, you know, the Cowboys took a flyer on uh, Devin Harper, who is super athletic guy, um, a guy I would, had no idea who, who that even existed. And, uh, you know, it's one of those guys that they, they, they drafted the athleticism, drafted, and is super raw. And, you know, we didn't get to see him because he got hurt. But so I'm kind of a little bit curious to see what they have in him. Because tell you what, when you look at the, like the, the Blands and some of the players that they've drafted, and you know, with some of these traits and some of these skill sets that we don't hear of, and then they once they develop them, it turns out to be a good player. So I'm a little bit curious on that. So that that's my linebacker plan. What what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, that makes a heck of a lot of sense. I'm really excited about Damone Clark. He's probably the the player or one of the couple players that I'm most excited about. Uh, for the next upcoming season, because I really feel like you know, give him give him another year in a in a in, a, in the linebacker room and in a weight room, and I think he can really do something um, interesting. Uh, I guess my one of my questions is, what the heck is going on with your bill? I knew you were going to ask that, and I I don't have an answer for you. 
He's not part so of that's that's question one. And then question two is do they have plans to play Micah Parsons more at linebacker? Oh, like is he uh, is he gonna be getting linebacker snaps? Because if he's getting linebacker snaps and they don't feel like Jabril Jabril Cox is a bust, then I then I then I'm I'm either not drafting a linebacker or I'm drafting one much later than than if 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 none, neither of those things are true, right? Because if neither of them are true, then then they need they need a third linebacker. It's too brutal a position, and you, the drop off from Van Der Esch and, and Demone Clark is also, of course, assuming they re-sign Van Der Esch, the drop off is is too significant, and they're going to need somebody else. And so maybe it's maybe it's a a veteran. Um, you know, it, it's possible that they'll they'll you know bring on a veteran like they had the last. You know the last uh, anti bar type mm-hmm. or something that they've done, they've done in the last couple of years, um, late, late in free agency. Um, who's a sort of savvy guy who's still got a little bit of athleticism. Um, because I, they also they can't spend too many of their draft chits on defense. Mm-hmm. So I I think they can I think they can take a they, they I think I would like to see them take a flyer on a linebacker if there's an, another really athletic guy or a guy whose whose tape is amazing who drops like both Harper and uh, Demone Clark. So if they pick up one of those guys, but I'm also thinking I, I'd be perfectly okay if they if they get the 2023 version of Anthony Barr, whoever that might be. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Barr was, you know, he didn't cost much, and he wasn't nothing. He was almost he was borderline jag to be quite honest, because he he was way less impressive than I expected, which I don't even know why I expected anything, because that's how the, those free agents, you know, signings work. But he's at the same time he's fine. I mean, he's a He's a nice mm-hmm. filler, and he gave the guy he you know gave the defense the experience, and he he wasn't terrible. He he made he he was making plays, and but yeah, they're absolutely they, we had, had Cam O'Neill before him, and we had Anthony Barr. There there is another version out there, and the Cowboys could find on and and, and listen, there's there's going to be twenty guys like that right, out there, yes. so there'll be somebody late in free agency who's not really significantly less talented or capable than the guys who go the first week. Yeah, and I do think though, if, if when it comes to um, when it comes to Micah, I, I, you know how I feel about this. I, I don't want to see him waste wasted away playing snaps at uh, an mm-hmm. off-ball line, linebacker. And I think that the Cowboys don't either. And we saw him sparingly play there. I think it might have been late when Lane got hurt. I don't remember exactly. But it was, I know he he logged some snaps in one game. And then it was like, why are we even doing this? And then they, they, they thought better of it. And uh, But mm-hmm. he, mm-hmm. he most definitely is a break glass, you know, in case of emergency type linebacker player that you could certainly play there. I mean, if the Cowboys don't right. sign Leighton and they end up finding themselves in, in a little bit of a pinch, you do, if he has to play there, you do have a really good linebacker um, for sure. So, uh, yeah, that's, we'll see how that shapes out. Uh, I want to move to the secondary now. And I got, mm-hmm. I got a little, I got, we're, I'm a little bit controversial here because um, I'm, I'm cutting some guys. And I don't think you're going to agree with with my my thinking here, but so I'm gonna I'm getting I'm cutting Jordan Lewis and Kelvin Joseph this off season for for different reasons. Uh, I'm cutting Jordan Lewis for cap, uh, f- you know for for the cap money, and I'm cutting Kelvin Joseph for the roster spot. Uh, I think they're both of those guys are. I wouldn't hate it if they're on the team, but for the reasons mentioned, I just don't want them on the team. Um, <laughs> uh, I would try to see if I can work a, a low cost one year. Hey, Anthony Brown, I know you're, you're coming off an injury. What do you say one more year? And then just show everybody and try to get, get your big contract. 
the following season um, when you can just show everyone you're healthy because I think he's a better quarter than people give him credit for. I think he could yes. he could go out there and maybe earn himself like a seven eight million dollar a year contract from some other team if he puts together a, a good season. Uh, so I'd like to, but I, I think he would be much cheaper this year coming off of his injury. So I would like to maybe tinker with bringing him back. Uh, I do. I would like to see the Cowboys draft a young corner, and it kind of goes back to what you were even saying. Is like you know you want to, you don't want just one of them. You know you want more of these guys, and you can never have, have enough. And you know edge rusher is one of them, cornerback is another. And uh, I think that if we were able to get a young talent opposite uh, Trayvon Diggs, that would be a big get for the Cowboys. So that that's uh, that's in my plan. And then I'd also like to continue to develop. Uh, the guy I've tried to tell everyone about from the get go, uh, Nashawn Wright. You know, for you know Beaver, uh, I've I've loved him from the onset. Uh, none of that's true. No, I've just I've been hating on this guy since day one. But uh, he did show some promise, and um, I you know uh, between Nashawn and Kelvin, I I lean a little bit more towards Nashawn right now at this point in time. So that's that is my cornerback offseason plan, Rabs. Um, Give me some constructive criticism here. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, when are you cutting Jordan Lewis and Kelvin Joseph? Are you cutting them now, or are you waiting till after, like the end of training camp during cut down? Uh, Lewis now, uh, Joseph later. And then um, you're signing Anthony Brown as a, as insurance against being able to draft a corner high. Yeah, yeah. What okay. my hope there is that he can come back. And hopefully, maybe maybe by week, you know, three, I think it would be a little bit tough early. We might have to throw the rookie to the to the wolves early. Uh, but I think that uh, now remember, De- De- um, Deron Bland can play outside if needed, mm-hmm. um, too. So mm-hmm. we have we have a little bit of uh, depth there. But I do think the plan is to basically let Bri- let Anthony Brown bridge the young corner and um, and and. Uh, but use him for one more season to so our rookie corner is is acclimated. Also, too, the fact that um, Israel Mukwamu can play the slot it makes this decision. I, that that's why to me Jordan Lewis is. I just don't know what to do with him. I mean, it's it, he's he's like number three on the slot corner depth chart. To be quite honest, if mm-hmm. so, to me it is it's just like a talent that the Cowboys don't need. So that's why. With what it would cost them on the cap, that's why he's he's out for that. Anyway, that, does that answer your question? So yeah, I, I guess for me the question is just timing because um, I don't think there's any reason to get rid of any of these guys now, right? It's not going to cost you any more or less to get rid of them now versus in camp, and so why not keep everybody and see what see what happens because it's possible. I mean, there are combinations you just talked about that could very easily involve Jordan Lewis or could involve Jordan Lewis for the first month of the season. You know, uh, or he could be really valuable as, as before Anthony Brown comes back and while the while the rookie develops, you know, that that kind of thing. So I think what I what my, what I'm inclined to do is get as many talented guys in here. Unless you're cutting a guy now, really saves you money. And I'm not sure any of these guys it saves a ton of money. Um, then I the, my inclination is just to hold on to them to training camp and then and then and see if you can get you know see if you can get a trade there or you know a six round pick or something for them. Yeah. Um, but I totally agree with the idea of selecting a cornerback within the first two days. It, it really feels like those positions where you need to have two really good players 
are wide receiver, offensive tackle, defensive end, and a corner. So I want their first three picks to go to those positions. Yeah. Honestly, if they get if they get an OT in the first round, I'm good. I'm okay. But I, I want to strengthen those important positions where you have two guys and they both need to be good because they're difference-making positions, and especially in this league where you don't have like you know, the right and left tackle both both have to go up against speed rushers. You know, so let's let's just I mean, let's let's let it fall to us, um, but make sure we make sure we we get depth at the positions that are the most meaningful. Absolutely, and I think the outside of quarterback, all the other four of the money five positions are fair game for any of those earlier premium draft choices. And and they're all positions that have to do where you need two players, right? Where if you if one of your guys is weak, it doesn't matter how good the mm-hmm. other one is. Yeah, so no, I totally agree there. Don't have any issues with that. And I kind of expect us to get a corner um, in, in, within the first. I think quarter. so too. I mean, look look at where the strength of the draft is. I mean, it might not be till the second round, but there's going to be a corner. And, uh, by by, I think that if, if they don't have a corner by the end of round two, I'll be very surprised. Yeah, I, I would too. No, I totally agree there. So, so moving on to the final position here is at safety. This is my plan, and this one is the one that's probably going to be the least favorite i'm not even going to go read the comments today when people see this because the first thing i have to do is to let donovan wilson walk in free agency and we can talk about that in more detail if you like but mm-hmm. um, i just think that he's priced out to be quite honest i think he's going to command a command an annual salary that the cowboys are not willing to pay he, he, he made too many plays he made too many plays he, he's splashy and splashy gets you gets yep. you the paycheck and uh yep and so to yep. me he to me he won't be worth that contract as as much as is splashy as he is um uh, instead so, you're, so so just to be clear you're not letting him you're not letting him walk so much as you're predicting that he's going to command something that you think the, the, that it doesn't make sense to pay yeah yeah definitely if we get if 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 donovan wilson will is if his market value turns out to be not very much, I'll, I'll welcome him back with open arms for sure. It's not like I don't good. think he's any good. I think that he's just going to be one of those players that um, he looks good on the highlight reel to where there's going to be teams interested in a, in a playmaking, quote, quote, playmaking safety, um, and then he's just going to get a good good contract that I don't want any part of yeah. in, in that instance. So that's that's where my mind is with with uh, with Dono. Uh, but, and then... then in exchange, I think they should again try to sign a low-cost veteran for depth. And you know, the Cowboys did a fantastic job with this just a couple years ago. You know, when they brought in uh, not just J. Ron Curse and, and Malik Hooker, but they also you know um, Demonte KZ, and you know they just mm-hmm. they were all super cheap darts. And then you know a couple of them you know stuck. And I think that you know they did a good job with it. So I would like to see them uh, do it again. You know, try to th- try it out. Give, give, see if they can't land another guy. You know, cheap um, at safety just to give give the Cowboys some some depth. Um, and of course, speaking of doing what they've done successfully before, how about another sixth round gym? You know, and I know that's that. You know, that seems like well, that you're asking a lot there. But you know, if you look at the what the Cowboys have done, they have just been. If you go go back to um, uh, Kavon Frazier, you know, and then you know Xavier mm-hmm. Woods, and then of course Dono is one of them. And there's another guy too that I'm missing. Um, I'm leaving out. Um, what is? Uh, oh my goodness, I don't even know. But anyway, they, there's like four guys that they've drafted. Um, and, and the I think Maquamo might be the other guy. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and so the, the, they just have this, you know, ability to find quality 
you know, safeties in, you know, late in the draft. So give that another shot. Um, and then speaking of, you know, McQuamu, it's like, get, give him more opportunities in the slot. I thought he did a fantastic job against Chris Godwin, you know, in the playoffs against Tampa Bay when I didn't know what the Cowboys were doing when they, uh, when they did their inactives, like who's, what are, what are they doing? And then of course, McQuamu yeah. was the slot guy. So I think he, you know, he's halfway through his rookie deal and he seems to be getting better. So, um, Curious to see what he could do his final two years. And then speaking of, you know, developing guys, you know, we, we have Marky Spell and Tyler Quelled, who haven't shown us anything yet. I mean, they've played sparingly, you know, mostly on special teams, a very small amount of reps. But, you know, is there anything with those guys? So that is my um, my my safety offseason plan. So what do you think? Anything you don't agree with or... No, I think the only the only thing I would take issue with is is a six round gem. I think you should say take a six round flyer because six rounds always risky. But otherwise, um, you know, we're you know you can't guarantee you're going to get the gem, right? But you have to try. Yeah, I. That's, otherwise, actually, I think this makes a lot of sense because you've got some young guys who have demonstrated they belong in the league. They demonstrated that they made plays in training camp. They made plays from the jump. That it wasn't too big for them. So you know the like the, their floor is 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 pro level. Right, and so it's time to it's time to see what the ceiling is. Yeah, yeah, I think I just said Jim more or less to be funny because I mean to be landing six, you know, four of them, you know, and it's 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 mm-hmm. kind of a, you know impressive that the Cowboys because Donovan Wilson, Xavier Woods, those guys, it's they've they've logged some good playing time with the Cowboys. So I mean, I no you never know if they could do, if they they've done it before, maybe they can do it again. Um, but that that's my. That is my off-season plan. We went through the offense. We went through the defense. Um, and Rabs, it's going to be like, you know, it's it's just, it won't be, but just a hop, skip, and a jump, and the Cowboys are going to be doing stuff. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be doing what, what I think they're going to be doing, but they're definitely going to be doing it. I'm pretty excited about, um, you know, about what we're, we're about to see. This is an exciting time. I, I don't know. Are you excited about the free agency? Is this... I know you Cowboys. No, no, I'm not. But because I think the Cowboys wisely focus on, on, you know, re-signing their own. Um, I mean, I think if, if, if we put their, their guys up against the free agent signings by every other team, they would be equal and people would, would understand more that that's how they choose to allocate their resources. So it's not as sexy, but you know, I mean, I think that that's, it's, they want to bring guys in who they know if, are good locker room guys or are good contributors. They want to reward the guys who've contributed. And that's, that's not a, not a bad policy at all. Yeah. I, I am. Like, you can, you can screw up a locker room by getting, giving big money to a lot of guys who haven't bled for the other dudes who are in the room. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. That's uh, I agree with you. And then to me, even though I, I totally don't expect this to be super sexy as far as with the, the names of the players, I'm still very interested to see, what new guys we're gonna have, and I, I, you know, I've, this team has done a really good job over the last couple of years of finding really solid, low cost players, and so, yeah, I can't help but be excited about about what that's gonna bring. So, but that is all we have for today's show. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys Hot Topics, 
any off-season plans you would like to see, or hey, what is your favorite TV show supporting character? Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24, and Rabs is at Rabblerouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. Last dismissed.